With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Are you looking for a pair of sunglasses that are as about a good time as we are here at the corner booth? Well, look no further. Yeats official sunglasses are polarized, stylish, and fit any occasion. All of us here at the corner booth, we each got a pair we're rocking right now in studio. You want yours? Go to yeatsofficial.com, promo code cornerbooth for 10% off, and get your pair now. My personal recommendation, the Aquas, always fly as hell. Enjoy it. Yeats Official, official sponsor of the Corner Booth Podcast. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corner with Podcast. I am your host, Jared Clem, alongside my amazing co-host, Matt Ordazzo. We are back. It's episode 220, ironically, which is crazy to think about. Um, next weekend, of course, is our college football preview. Special guest, J.D. Davis. Yes, the ghost of J.D. Davis is returning. We're going to talk. Last year, me and J.D. correctly predicted the national title. I think, you no. Know, yeah, we predicted the national. I predicted the cor- champion correctly. We predicted the runner-up. We both had Georgia winning the SEC, but I had Georgia winning it. He was a chicken. He took Alabama. That makes me four for four in the last four years on national champions. By the way, not for the audience to get confused with former Mets JD Davis. No, everyone who listens to the show knows who JD is. <laughs> <laughs> he was the co-host of mine for about a season and a half. Good kid, just. He he's not for he's not for regular podcasting. He he'd rather go out to the bars, hang out. This was something he likes doing for fun. For me, this for me and you, this is like a passion. This is what we love, what we love doing. Yeah, this is what I've, we want to do instead of our fucking day jobs. So yeah, that's true. This is what I'm like. All right, get out of here, do this, and I'm good. Yeah, like if we can fucking make this work, we're set. Anyway, speaking of being set, apparently nothing's set in Brooklyn. It's uh shout out to my boy Maserati. I'm hoping he's doing okay mentally today because Kevin Durant <laughs> reiterated yesterday that he still wants to be traded unless they are willing to get rid of Steve Nash and GM whose name escapes me from the Brooklyn Nets. So Sean Marks. Uh, uh I think so. And so the best part about this whole thing is is that the GM, the owner of the um Nets decided to double down and say, we stand by our coaching staff in front office. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> just like every Nets fan collectively is face palm. I know. So you're keeping Kyrie Irving. You're getting rid of Kevin Durant. This is going to work out great. Nobody's going to take him. There's only – to pay the absorbent price that my Timberwolves set the market to. There's and only one fucked. team that has the assets to trade for him, in my opinion. That would be Boston. Is Boston going to give up what they want? Probably not. That's probably going to involve guys like Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown, plus like six or seven draft picks. But if I'm Celtics, I'm not. I'm not wait. I'm not sending all of those picks plus key players like that for a 34, 35 year old guy. Hell no. Even though if KD could probably play until his late, I'd say. Oh he's yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's, 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 he'll be like Ray Allen by the end of his career, but still. That's uh, he's, he's probably the best player in, in the NBA right now. He's it's uh, like you said. I mean, ah, I know that's, it, that's Giannis. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I'm sorry, Giannis or Luca or fucking uh, what's his face? Oh, um, he's top five then at least. Oh, but, he's still top five, and so is LeBron. Yeah. I think they're both still in the top ten. He can, I he think can the, still and Jason Tatum. I would take over both of them. In oh yeah, but he he can still win a team a ring. It's just what. They're gonna want because of the market that was set from Rudy Gobert trade is gonna be absurd. And you know what? I respect the man, the the owner for doubling down. There's a there's a point in time where I feel like you gotta take back control because it's just you know the players will just be like, I want to trade, and then you have to offer one piece of advice for people shame their Gobert trade. Minnesota's not gonna have a top ten, top fifteen pick, barring horrible injuries, for the next decade. 
they're basically dealing picks that are not lottery picks. So as much as great, you're losing some depth. It's guys you can get in the second round, D League. If you really want a guy, you move up in the draft. It doesn't. Really, it's not that hard to in the NBA. But with a guy like Anthony Edwards, who will be a top twenty-five player by the end of either next year or the year after, a cat who's already top twenty-five player. You add an A-plus rim defender in Rudy Gobert, who can score, and he's been an all-star. Plus D'Angelo Russell, who's a serviceable three. That's an amazing core. I don't know what people are seeing. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. It's like Timberwolves draft picks. Timberwolves draft picks back in the day were valuable because they're always top 15, top 10. Now it's like, unless something catastrophic happens, it's not a bad. It's not as dumb as a trade you think. Yeah, okay, Gobert's got to beat... All-star Gobert, like 2018-19 Gobert. But basically, all he has to do now is be a good defensive stopper and score 10 points a game and get a lot of rebounds so Cat can play up away from the rim and use spacing along with Ann Edwards and D'Lo. It's it's not a stupid idea, honestly, I, the more and more I think about it. But anyway, that that could have been my hot take. We're debuting a new um, segment today, Hot Take, thir- hot take Tuesday. That is a teaser because that is my backup. My my <laughs> my other one is about football. So I don't think the necessarily Rudy Gobert trade was like bad. Like I think it's good for, I think it's good for Minnesota. I think just other, I think other teams like Brooklyn's going to look at that and just be like, quantity wise, we want that plus some because it's Kevin Durant. Yeah, I I, I see your point, and the thing is like, everyone's got to realize that a, a, a draft pick, a draft pick post, I'd say. I don't know, 15, once you're out of the lottery, it doesn't mean shit. So, yeah. yeah, you might get a Paul George or a DeMar DeRozan sometimes, yeah. or a Jokic if you're lucky, or Giannis, but here's the problem. Those guys are one in a 1,000, one in 10,000. For, uh, for every Giannis is a Darko. Like, you don't, like, and that's the pro- or a Johnny Flynn. <laughs> <clears throat> Or a Wayne Ellington, these guys who are just basically role players at best, and that's yeah. that's the kicker. It's like the only player I was really sad we gave up in that deal was Jared Vanderbilt. I loved watching him play ball. He was an athletic, good defending, rebounding four, and he was good. But you know the problem is now he put Cat at four, and it's like mm-hmm. it's a if nice I'm, stretch to have. If I'm uh, going back to the Durant whole thing, if if I'm Josiah, I'm I'm countering Kevin Durant. I listen to me personally, Sean Marks, they dug Brooklyn, they dug Brooklyn out of it in the beginning. I think he can do it again. I don't think he's a bad general manager. I'm looking at Kevin Durant and saying, what if I get rid of Steve Nash? What if I just kick him to the curb and I get a new coach for you? We keep the GM, but we get a new coach for you. I would see what he would say, because to me, Nash is just mid. He's not great. He's go not the horrible. Pat Riley route. Where yeah. you go get like a guy like Spolster, who's a fucking genius. He may not be the best head coach, but like with a guy like Durant and Kyrie on the floor, you really don't need a genius. You just need a guy who can like, who doesn't need to be like a, a like a Don Nelson, where he's like yeah. a legend of the game. You need a guy who's basically be able to there who sees things you're not supposed to see. Yeah. I actually had back uh, back of the Heat dynasty, right or the Heat years. Tony Fiorentino was a Pat Riley assistant. He worked in the building after he retired. I had him on my show two years ago. And he was telling me all these stories about how, like, when they got Bosch and they, Spolstra and Riley were like, you got to turn into a stretch four. You got to start hitting threes. LeBron, you got to start working a post game because they wanted their game to work with their centerpiece. That was D Wade. So, in this case, with the Nets, they got to find a way to make sure Kyrie and all these other side pieces can work around KD's game to make this a better team. Because that, that, that Brooklyn team was fucking terrible. That series mm-hmm. was ugly. I remember oh, yeah. watching the game. I was in a bar in Boston with Samir and my cousin watching them get smoked, and it was hysterical. I'm like, this is just dis- – like, I thought this team was supposed to be a title contender. What the hell is yeah. happening? I know. Listen, I'd be like, hey, listen, we'll get rid of Nash. We'll put you in a room with, you know, with uh, Marks. We'll talk it out. We'll get you in on some coaching uh, coaching interviews, get you involved in the hiring decisions, see who fits, you know, who, what you're looking for for the team, this and that. Just pull like an Aaron Rodgers thing where you just – you make the relationship work. You get him involved in some off-field decisions, things like that, which wouldn't involve a coach, and just see how he deals with that. Because I don't think, I think it's, I think it's ballsy 
to put it into words for a player to tell the owner, you need to fire your coach and your GM. If you want me to stay, I know it's Kevin Durant, but that's ballsy to be like, yeah, just top 30 player all time. But here's the problem. It's like, you're talking about a team that's trying to dig their heels in and not be like, like what the Lakers are with LeBron. now. I think the Lakers and LeBron are a cautionary tale that Mickey Mouse title means less and less every year because it, it because more and more of a fluke is those teams, that team gets worse. Um, it's kind of be weird to see. Like, I mean, like training camp for NBA starts in what two months, month and a half. Yeah, it's very soon. Season starts. Mid- what, I think mid September, mid earlier mid September training camp yeah. starts. So we're gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Does the season start like end of October? Mid end of October. Yeah. All right. Um, a little baseball news, quick. Uh, one shot to the Diamondbacks taking uh, four out of the last five. Let's go. Hmm. Uh, Yan- Yankees took like one, of, one of their last six. It feels like. Yeah, y'all been ever since y'all are what like one in eight since you guys got rid of Joey Gallo. I think we're like, we're zero and five since we. Yeah, no, no, no. We're one in. We just won last night. We're like one in five or something like that without Joey Gallo. The curse we're like of Joey we're four Gallo. And six in if that becomes ten. a thing, I'm going to die Dude, laughing. Fucking, the guy can do shit for us, and we get rid of him, and he's like, "Here's a curse." Oh my god. Um, Degrom. Uh, speaking of New York teams, the Mets are freaking nuts. Mets fans are like are like the scare. It's kind of starting to feel like Waco, Texas baseball cult with these guys. It's crazy. I work with a couple of Mets fans. A lot of my clients are Mets fans, and they talk about it in the lobby. And they're like, "Jared, you're a Diamondbacks fan, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, fuck the Mets." And he's like, "Really?" I'm like, "Every time I go to a Mets game, one of you jackasses starts yelling at me while I'm in front of my grandparents, and my instinct is to beat your Long Island ass head in." But now I've got to sit there and act semi-civil while I've had about four or five beers in my system with about half a lipper of either chew, pouches, or something like tucked away in my lip, wanting to just scrap defending my team. Like that's why this is the Philadelphia Eagles fan in me, I guess. But you know, I just you know, me and Mets fans don't get along because they're just obnoxious. But gotta give him credit where credit's due. The soon-to-be former Met, because he's gonna probably dip after the season. Degrom already. Wait, broke the record for the most recorded strikeouts for 200 games. This is the biggest no-duh stat I've ever seen. I have never watched a pitcher like Jacob DeGrom. His biggest problem is his availability. He, to me, is Mark Pryor. He is this generation's Mark Pryor. This dude throws absolute cannon piss off the mound. He is striking out everybody. It's freak stuff. You know why he'll never catch Randy Johnson or Justin Verlander or... Steve Carlson or Roger Clemens, you know why he'll never catch them? The health. Health, exactly. Even Nolan Ryan, who's not even, in my opinion, a top 10 pitcher of all time, he's only good in stats because he played for fucking ever. Yeah, it's like 20-something seasons. Yeah, 28 seasons. It's, it's fucking stupid. Like, Tom Stever was a much better pitcher and played for seven seasons less. Top Seaver was disgusting. You ever watch the old or Whitey oh, yeah. Ford was another one. These guys were Koufax, Pedro, mm-hmm. Johan Santana pre first Tommy John. These guys were disgusting. Like I'm sorry, Ryan just threw hard mm-hmm. and beat a Robin Ventura. Degrom yeah. was a little beach. Um, Degrom is nasty. I watched him pitch against my Diamondbacks live. I was disgusted about how we hit, but I was in awe. It was like watching poetry. It was like watching it. The only guy who ever seen a righty throw like that in my lifetime, who threw so hard, but had such good control, such good breaking balls, and would intimidate pitchers, was Jose Fernandez, rest in peace. And, of course, he can't be there. He probably would have won half the Scions in the NL if he oh, was yeah. still alive. Disgusting pitcher. And the fact that Diamondbacks and that Marlins trade fell through a couple years ago, Probably would have saved the man's life. Still kills me to this day. It was only a rumor, so we don't know if that was actually true or not. But from what I heard, there was a trade pre that season where he died. I think it was like nine months before the whole the, before the incident. And I'm like, that kills me that Kevin Towers couldn't pull the trigger. Anyway, my stupid Diamondbacks rant aside, Degrom is the dis- most disgusting pitcher I ever watched in my adult life at pitching. He's a thousand times better than Garrett Cole, a thousand times better than Nestor or fucking. Zach Galen, or who's the who's the dude right now? Chuck it or Otani, any of these fucking guys. And here's the kicker, right? I know I I admit I'm oh and all, Goslin or Kershaw or Walker Bueller. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you you throw at me. Degrom is the most disgusting pitcher I've ever watched in my life. Here's the problem: 
Availability is the most impactful stat. I mean, if you're available and you suck, <coughs> Garrett Cole in the playoffs. Um, I just don't like Garrett Cole. I love shitting on as much as possible. I mean, in the regular season, the last his last handful of starts, he's not been that green. He's got. I mean, start the Mariners fucking shelled him, but awesome. um, all I'll say is this: Degrom is just disgusting. Oh, he's he's. He's been consistently the best pitcher in baseball for what feels like for a while now. What's the, at least like the last like four or five years, I think. Um, but like you said, he's it's just his health is just the only thing that's the issue with him. And I think he had did he have Tommy John early on in his career? No, he just had. Um, no, he injured his. No, no, he had it already. So you know, you think he, he gets that out the way, but he's been a phenomenal pitcher since. You know, he, now he's got this record under his belt. He's going to opt out. That's that's what he's going to do. Which these last two starts he's had, he's been phenomenal. He's going to opt out. He's going to get paid by whoever. The clock's on, the spotlight's on Steve Cohen. He's got to pay Edwin Diaz. He's got to pay um, Degrom. They got Taiwan Walker is a free agent. Um, they got a lot of McNeil. I think it was Taiwan no, not McNeil. Nimmo. Ah, oh, Nimmo. They got a lot of free agents, but this guy has to be on the top of their list. I mean, last year when he posted like a 0. 0.5 ERA, like 0. 0.50 ERA before he went out. Um, it's just, you know, would you would you consider him a Hall of Famer if he retired right now? No. I think no. he's got some more. I think he's got no, some more seasons to go under his. I mean, it's great what he's done. But like, dude, you gotta play. And Major League Baseball is one of those weird sports where you have to play at least a du- eight, nine seasons. Because he, I call didn't... it the Kof- I call it the Kofax rule. I call it the Kofax rule. You have to play at least eight or nine seasons to be considered a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I made that up. Do not hold me on this by anybody else. I made up the Kofax rule for my argument here. But, like, you're on the list of pitchers, right? Randy Johnson played for 21, 22 years. Clemens, 20-something years. Pedro, like, 18. Uh, Steve Carlton, like, 17 or 18. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's probably played, what, 17 years already? Yep. Granke, 16. Uh, Verlander, 18. I can keep going. These guys are all just just disgusting. Scherzer is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's played, like, 15 years already. You know, the thing with him is that he didn't make his debut until 2014, which at that point put him at like 26 years old. So for a starting pitcher at 26, you made your you made your debut late in a sense. Like, you know what I mean? Which is which just shows how stupid the Mets organization was pre-Steve Cohen taking over. Yeah. And he didn't he did not emerge as the clear cut ace best pitcher in baseball. Until Matt after, Harvey. Until which after is his Matt hysterical. Harvey. Yeah. Well, until after Matt Harvey left. So well, we're, we're you know what I love about the Matt Harvey thing was the fact that Adriana Lima and Julian Edelman single-handedly derailed that man's career in literally one night. He is. He went from the from there to like the Angels, to the Reds, to the Orioles. Then he was out for the year with the Orioles this year, which is kind of funny because now this is the year the Orioles are deciding to be a good team again. Yeah, right. I don't know. It's just it, it's crazy. It, you know, it's it's. But he didn't become dominant Degrom until about 2016, 2017. So he's been. Yeah. You know, we're talking five, six it years. Was, it was um, my junior year of college, senior our senior year. That's when he started getting really dominant. You ready to get to the meat of this potato, this meat of the sandwich, and we'll start talking some football? Oh, I'm ready. All right, we're gonna hold off on your team because I know you want to just start griping. Let's let's have some fun. First of all, we love kickers getting paid. Hmm. Love kickers. Kickers getting paid. We love it. Chris Boswell got paid twenty four million this weekend. And so did Justin. I ripped the heart out of Dan Campbell Tucker. <laughs> Dude, Justin oh Tucker. God, and I, beautiful. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if you you say Harrison Bucker is better. I don't care if you say Chris no. Oswald. I the best current kicker Justin at Tucker. this point is Justin Tucker. Justin all time, Tucker. it's a golden pony. Matt you know, Prater has some Matt Praters in the top five all time because that man has basically kicked more game-winning bombs than anybody else. I can even throw David Akers in that conversation. The fact he's not a Hall of Famer is kind of criminal. But, like, there's a – and you got to go back to Martin Gramatica. Um, who else was really good back in the day? I was going to say Mike Vanderjack, I mean, but I don't hate myself that much. Vinatieri's go golden pony. Yeah, you go back to Vinatieri. I mean, he started in, like, 95. Sebastian Janikowski, the Polish oh. hammer. 
just absolutely just like a my favorite, my favorite thing was like um, Pat McAfee stories about Janikowski just drinking a 12-er and then walk out and feel blasting one through the uprights and go back down. Isn't, but if, don't correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Justin Tucker like the most accurate kicker in NFL history and he's still actively playing? Yes. He is the most, he is, he is Bob 30. Will close to Boswell's fourth all time. Tucker is going to be 33 in less than 100 days and still playing in the league. Oh, he is the most Justin accurate Justin Tucker's kicker. biggest problem is that he's never won a Super Bowl. You're right. I think he got drafted. No. Then he got undrafted in 2012. Was that the year that they won the Super Bowl? They won the Super Bowl in 2012. So he got that oh, that's so fucking miserable right there. You you, you had one chance. Well, check, check his draft stats because if he was – 2012 draft means he played in the 2012 season. Yeah, but I think they, I think it was the 2011 season into 2012 is when. No, they no, it was 2011 was the Giants. 2012 was the, was the uh, Ravens. So he uh, may have a ring. He may have gotten out of the way early. All right, to the audience listening, this is a reminder to always update your computer because my computer is fucking slow. Also, just buy a MacBook. Make sure it's so much easier. Yeah, that's true. I don't even know. This is like HP fucking. HP stands for hammered, hammered patties of crap. Oh yeah, he um, he did win the uh, his rookie year, then won the Super Bowl. Okay, so, does, so you know what? He does have a ring. Okay, I stand corrected. Oh, he was, this man was going to go into a Hall of Fame regardless. Hopefully, first. Oh, he's going to be a top five kicker all time regardless. But the thing is, like now, it's like. And the thing is, like, he's going to split with the Ravens the rest of his career. Like, it'd be great for the Ravens winning a Super Bowl. The problem is the way they're handling the Lamar Jackson situation. Mm-hmm. That may not happen. Um, so, four years, $24 million. It's $11.5 million signing bonus, and he's going to earn $6 million over the next four years. He'll be a free agent in 2028, and he's going to get total guaranteed $17.5 million. Yep. I think it's perfect. You know, he literally, he's the best kicker. He's the only kicker I'll take in fantasy. Well, not the um, only. No, Mc, McNasty or um, Carlson. I grabbed Carlson. That dude, they, that dude kicks bullets. I'm down for it. I know it's I know it's only mock drafts, but who I've consistently been able to take in my mock at kicker right now has been Tyler Bass, and I'm not really upset about it. Tyler Bass ain't bad. You want to hear my team, by the way, for uh, for my uh, for our Xbox League, the only league I play in? What's that? All right, so You're I got drafted you right or- we are we drafted on Sunday. Jesus. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the official reveal of my fans team for this year. I don't really play in two leagues. I play in a charity league, which that team doesn't fucking count. I got Jonathan Taylor at the third pick. I really was just happy. Because huh. these guys drafted quarterback. They just tried to hoard quarterbacks to screw everyone over. So, I got Cousins as my quarterback. Okay. Yeah, he's bad. good for All like right. 20 points a game. All right. For the uh, – for um, my team name is Deshaun Watson's NDAs. That is my team name. Oh my god! Sorry, my team name is Kareem Pies. It's okay. My I'm playing it. Okay, so some of the team names in our league because my team in my league is horrible human beings. Oasis Massage Parlor. Shout out Rob Craft. Oh we have Mister Rogers Neighborhood. We have we have War Crime Enthusiast. <laughs> Zach Wilson's Fursana. Najee's in the Harris. Oh, man. Hernandez Funeral Home. Oh, Jesus. Josh Gordon Dispensary. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, my friends have a sick sense of humor. <laughs> so I thought it's really scary when my name being um, Deshaun Watson's NDAs because him and the Texans are both fucking clowns, and so are the uh, NFL to make jokes of it. Because, who? listen, once, they, once you make somebody sign an NDA, you know you're screwed. Yeah. Um, my team – is Jalen Hurts a quarterback? Obviously, that's my dog. Eckler was my first pick. I got him at running back. Javante Williams, A.J. Brown, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Smith. Did not start Smith. I picked another receiver ahead of him, but he's going to have more points apparently with one. Darren Waller, Kenneth Walker, Daniel Carlson, Packers and Eagles defenses. Packers I picked first, obviously, because they have a better, a higher ranking. Back of quarterbacks, Matt Ryan. Got Tyler Algier. He's one of the run- rookie running backs. I'm pretty high on this year. James Cook is the other one. I grabbed Christian Kirk in like eighth, ninth round because nobody in my league picked him. Darnell Mooney, 
Um, Alec Pierce, Brevin Jordan's my backup tight end. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, they don't have um, they don't have John Mechie, unfortunately, so maybe that'll create a little more targets for Brevin. Love Jordan. me some big Brev. That's my dog. But yeah, no. So um, so that's not a bad. I wanted the only two guys I I didn't get that I wanted were uh, George Pickens, and I was trying to see if uh, I was really trying to see if I could get on the rebound. I could get like Waddle or um, Juju as like a third receiver. I just couldn't swing it. See, I'm I'm uh, it's tough for me. I feel like I'm staying away from you know receivers like like Metcalf or Lockett or Claypool, Deontay Pickens. Like I just I don't I don't trust Lock. I don't trust Trubisky or. Oh, see, I love Locke because they're going to be down in a lot of games. He's going to be slinging the pill. Yeah, I mean, I would take I'd take a flyer on obviously Debo Samuel, even if they're going to have Trey Lance. I heard they're they're pretty much saying they're going to trade Jimmy G by August eighth, or they're going to cut him. Is from what I've heard, nothing official, but a rumor I've heard. Do they know how to read a calendar? Yeah, August ninth. You know, not for nothing, but Jimmy G has brought them out on two decently long playoff stints. No, let's be honest. Jimmy G hasn't lost them playoff stints. He's lost them some big playoff Super Bowls. They should have beat the Packers last year. I mean, they should have beat them by more. Um, They should have beaten the the Rams. All right, want to talk some fun shit? I'm ready. New York Giants. Oh, this is funny. I thought the – listen, the Patriots have had a weird – play. I mean, apparently Tyquan Thornton is smoking dudes. I hope so because apparently this dude is like Djax. Like they're like saying like this dude's flying by people. They're saying um, Devontae Parker had like three catches in five practices or something like that, or vice versa. So like they're, I guess whatever their number one corner is like locking him down, which is hysterical. Um, who, who even is their number one corner? Is it some Malcolm guy Butler? Bill pulled off of last chance? You who's probably going to be an All Pro in two years. Shout so out to Jackson. He's going to be the next Malcolm Butler, even though Malcolm Butler is already back with the Pats. Yeah. Right. Um, so the Giants, there was a fight. Gotta love it. I don't even know who, do you know who the fight was between? Oh, I've got it all right here. So it originally started when I guess Saquon Barkley lowered his shoulder on cornerback Aaron Robinson. Next two plays involved scuffles, um, with John Feliciano and Trey Crowder. So after John Feliciano and Trey Crowder getting into it, I guess, the offensive line coach got involved, wound up pushing Cam Brown. And I guess John Feliciano saw Cam Brown and Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, get into it. And Feliciano, I guess, according to reports, just started to throw haymakers at the offensive line coach, and they just started to go at it. So it started off with a player scuffle, player fight, into like the player was fighting the offensive line coach. That is just hysterical. So you've got players. This is according to Jordan Rodan. Uh, yep, Jordan. Ryan, Jordan Rand. 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 It's on CBS. Uh, it's Ramen. on CBS Sports. Jordan Rodin as well. Um, I also love the picture of the offensive line. I believe is Will Hernandez looking like a dead body. Oh yeah. Um, so or watching. Daniel Jones missing Tony on a corner route by ten feet. I'm watching the video right now, so it's it's ugly. Like it's, I guess it's Feliciano and and Tay Crowder. Just send just this to me because I need to watch this for some comedic relief. I'll I'll send it afterwards because I got this on the computer. I got the the pod on my phone, but it's a, a giant scuffle after one of them gets thrown to the ground. This is when everything gets breaking up, and they don't show it, but I'm guessing after that is when the offensive line coach gets involved and just starts getting haymakers thrown at him. So like. Are we like there could be a very real thing where the Giants have a top five pick this year? Is, is anybody just not going to the elephant in the room? Maybe we know too many Giants fans, but like, I mean, are we just not going to like like ignore the fact that they they may be the worst team in football? Because this is, is like starting to sound like Jacksonville Jaguars level dysfunction. It, it is entirely possible, and I think it's funny because a year or two ago when uh when they had Joe Judge in there as the head coach, he actually got a real reportedly got into a fight with one of the coaches on the team and then he had that coach fired because they got into it then he got this next the next following year with a new coach and everything but the giants if you look at the videos like i think we've all seen daniel jones's throws at camp and how off how off they've all been and i'm talking to some giants friends that i know and they're like no this isn't just this practice this is all of camp i'm like well what do you think and they're like i think it's tyrod taylor time 
I'm like, that's not. That well, that's not a good, good idea because Tyrod's going to get you four wins and get you out of the top five and get you away from CJ Stroud or um, Bryce Young, which um, I'm fine with either of them getting drafted. I'm actually more afraid of CJ Stroud getting drafted in the Giants because Stroud is bigger, stronger, better arm. But Bryce Young's more polished. But Bryce Young gets snapped in half by Hassan Reddick because apparently Hassan Reddick just ate nothing but uh, like literal straight like whatever the Liver King is eating because yeah. that dude shows up to Eagles practice. They showed a side by side of him when he was on the cart uh, the Panthers last year. And what he looks like in training, I'm like, did he just eat another human? Like what? <laughs> Jesus. But speaking yeah. of eating other humans. Jordan Davis just pushed Cam Jurgens back into the, the oblivion. That clip is hysterical. It was. He tries to readjust his hips four times. Did you? If you, if anybody hasn't seen it, you guys have to just search Jordan Davis like training camp fucking one on one. Cam Jurgens is one of the highest rated like offensive linemen total coming out. But like this guy one, was like second rated center. One I had to watch it a couple times because because Jared Davis literally makes this guy Jordan. look like Jordan Davis literally makes this guy look like he's a fullback, like he makes him look tiny, and he manhandles him so much to the point where he literally pushes him like you can see this guy's feet planted and they slide multiple times. I'm like this 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 everybody's saying it looks like oh, a JV guy trying to block a varsity guy. Well, everybody say, every out, everybody out there saying that the the Eagles reached on drafting him. I don't hear that anymore after that clip. Here's the I, thing: the Eagles' biggest thing on draft night was getting a wide receiver. They had a plan at corner. It was named James Bradbury. They were just waiting for the Giants to let him go because they knew the Giants wouldn't trade him to him. Also, by the way, did you all see the that ridiculous catch by the throw and catch by Hurts uh, and AJ Brown on James Bradbury in the Eagles joint practice? I'll send it to you after. It was a dime. It was a 40-yard in the bucket. Be- Bradbury's apparently had an insane camp. Like, he looks like a number one lockdown corner. And oh, yeah. Brown beat him and just caught. And the, the window was about maybe that big. Hurts dropped it right in. And I was well, like. He, he has, I think, you know, I think looking at it now, I think the Eagles were like one of the most perfect destinations for him because he doesn't have to go in there. And he's proven he could be the number one guy if you need him to be. But. He goes up with Darius Slay. He doesn't have to cover the number one. He can cover the number two and just be that lockdown number one guy just covering the number two receivers. Like he can it's gonna be a great tandem in my opinion. I think the Eagles have a quietly like have the capability of being a top ten, top twelve defense this year. Yeah. Especially with that secondary. And the fact is like everyone's underselling the fact their linebackers are all improving, but they're all young, they're all fast, and they all like to hit mm-hmm. and they all can cover. Um, and the fact that their safeties, Marcus Apps, yeah, he may not be a, a name, but I'm telling you right now, that dude, they also have Tart from uh, San Fran yeah, and good. Anthony Harris. That's like three guys, and KMO Wallace. That's four quality, like not A-plus guys, but it's guys who aren't going to give up big plays. But they I, think Marcus Epps, I think Marcus Epps could be a pro bowler. Like, I think this dude has that kind of talent. Like, every time he's on the field, makes a big play. The problem is he was always a backup to Rodney McLeod. Now McLeod's oh. gone. Well, I was going to say they've. I've heard his name get talked about last year, so it's you know it's it's kind of like a come up if you if you want to you know take it that way. Yeah, I, I think this is. I think he's going to have a breakout season. He's he's like if you ask me about the Eagles, he's like in my top five Eagles like who are about to have a breakout because this dude's going to be just he lays a stick like he's Jamal Adams, but he covers and he yeah. actually has a good eye for the ball, which is actually really good, especially as a deep safety. Um, but the Jordan Davison cracks me up because it's just like the dude is just a monster. And the fact is, he's not even gonna start. He's not starting. It's Hargrave and fucking Cox. Yeah. And then you bring in Milton Thomas and Jordan Davis, who are both monsters. Oh, Derek yeah. Barnett doesn't even start in Philadelphia anymore. It's Riddick, Graham, and or Josh Sweat. And then they rotate in Derek Barnett in that. Like monster lineup. That defensive line looks like the murderer's row of guys looking to hit quarterbacks. Oh yeah, they're gonna just rotate in Davis every time Davis. It's comes giving in me 2017 vibes on the defensive line. I'm not saying it's gonna give me those vibes for everything. I'm just saying it's the depth. You've got the like the versatility and the depth on that D line. 
the fact that they're just gonna have Riddick play like a weapon like um like the Ravens do with Terrell Suggs, where he just rotates and fires off the ball is awesome. Or like yeah. Michael Parsons does. Like I love that idea. It's a great idea. Um speaking of defensive weapons, uh Rokon Smith requested a trade today. Yeah, that was uh unexpected. Very unexpected. I you know what at some point do we just like you got to feel for Bears fans, man. Like, do you, yeah, do you blame Roquan Smith? Probably not. I, I don't. Say. I don't at all. I don't blame Justin Justin Fields. If he wanted to like retire tomorrow, you know, if I'm if I don't know, looking at that Bears team, honestly, like to say like they're five years away from anything, I think that no. is far fetched. The I Detroit think Lions they, are a much better off franchise. So are the Houston Texans. So are the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the worst situation to be in right now is the Chicago Bears fan. And I think I, I think you're better off being a Seattle Seahawks fan because there was like a very good chance, like Drew Locke could tear it up with Metcalf and Lockett. I but think, like Justin Fields is throwing to Nikhil Harry. I think Chicago is making a strong push along to compete with the Texans for the number one pick next year in the draft. But I mean, Roquan Smith he's 25 years old. He's he's young. He's an All Pro. I. I am assuming it has to do with contract negotiation issues because why else would somebody randomly just well, decide to out? a shit deal or something. So I guess all pro linebacker uh, Roquan Smith officially requested trade out of the organization on Monday due to lack of productive contract talks. He's entering the final year of his deal and noted that the Bears' new front office regime doesn't value him. Which, I mean... I listen. I'm giving that guy what he wants. I'm. I would. Trade that is for him. the anchor of your defense. I would trade for him. I don't know what I have to give up. I don't mm. know. I feel like that all the Jets have been doing is just acquiring some people. So it's just at this point, I'm like, geez, I guess if we have space, fucking take them. But I would fucking. I if I'm any team, and they're talking like the the probable landing spots right now are the Ravens and the Broncos. If I'm any team in, in the NFL, no matter what your linebacker situation is looking like, I am calling to see what the price is. Oh, no question. Like they're saying, uh, Miami, Dallas, Ravens, Broncos, Patriots are like the five landing spots for him right now. Like the most makes sense, but I think all. 31 other NFL teams are going to be calling that guy. But, you know, the Bears are going to ask if they do offer, they're going to ask for the farm. They're going to ask for an exorbitant amount of picks and compensation, and it's going to just take forever. This isn't going to get solved next two weeks. Oh, no. And not to just focus on just because I am a Jets fan, I would call them and ask, hey, are you interested in trading Rokon Smith and Tevin Jenkins? Because I've been hearing that their offensive tackle, Tevin Jenkins, has not been adapting well in their system, and they're looking to trade him. So I'd be just with the current situation. I would look to see what it would what it would take to get that guy plus Rokon Smith in a deal. I mean, y'all give us Braxton Berrios. We'll give you uh, Andre Dillard. You know, at this very moment, it's actually not a bad idea. I'll take my boy BB returning kicks for us. Are you kidding me? You get you would get him for six fucking million dollars a year for two years. You get him for pennies. I know. And everyone's like, oh, we'll give you we'll toss in Jalen Rager, give you something to like give you something for uh Sauce Gardner to toss around in practice. I'll give you uh give you Denzel Mims. No, he hates Philadelphia. We don't want him here. Like we we'll throw we'll leave him on broad we'll leave him on that one section of broad street everyone avoids. Um, be like I would trade for him just so I can get rid of him. Yeah, no. Uh, we'll just give we'll give you Rager and Dillard, two of our more recent draft bust. Like, yeah, actually, Dillard hasn't been bad, and Rager honestly, I think just needs to get out of Philadelphia. I think he'll be a decent number two or three receiver if he just gets out of Philadelphia. I think his biggest problem was he was drafted after a generational ta- drafted before a generational talent in. Justin Jefferson and drafted after another pro bowler in CD lamb. And the biggest problem about that is, is that it's not like we're like rugs or Judy who were drafted ahead of them. Nobody cares. Cause Rager was such a bust. He's a lot. Well, then Devonte Smith comes in the next year and sets the rookie record for the Eagles for receiving yards. Then they go and get AJ Brown. They have Quez Watkins who was drafted in the sixth round and has already put up more. It's been almost more productive than Rager has already. Yeah. Rager's biggest moment was the punt return against the uh, Packers in 2020. 
I think a, uh, a backup hot take for myself would be, um, I think Jalen Rager outside of, um, outside of Philly will have a better career than guys like Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Matthews receivers like that. I think they'll have Jordan Matthews out of Philadelphia is basically fucking useless. <laughs> so yeah, he bounced around to a lot of teams, but I know I he just like in Jordan Matthews in Philly was like actually kind of a weapon, but like in like San Fran garbage, Tennessee gar- or wherever the fuck you went between Tennessee and uh, Philly garbage. I think Ready you can go as far as to say Jeremy Macklin. I mean, that guy outside of Philly really didn't do too much either. I mean, he also like he left because, um, he saw what they did with D-Jack, and he didn't want Chip Kelly doing that to him, so he dipped. Oh, smart man. Went to the Chiefs. Yeah, but then he didn't do shit the rest of his career. Um, J-Max the dog, though. All right. Uh, one more thing before we talk about Matt's Jets. Baker Mayfield, it's his job to lose. Let's give a big old no shit. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, you know, I... I don't know. I, I it's hard to even say I feel for like the Panthers because Matt Rule is like on his last bit of life with that team and he's not doing anything to correct it. You know what Matt Rule reminds me of? You ever seen that you ever seen the show Community? No. Okay, well there's this scene where they do this whole like experiment where they just make people wait in a room and everyone cracks except for one character. And it's Danny Pudi's character, Abed. And he just sits there, just chilling. And after 23 hours, the professor's running experiment starts cracking and like going insane. Played by John Oliver. That's how I picture Matt Rule. He's he's cracked. He's done. His brain is fried. He overstepped. He should have stayed in college. He regrets not staying at Baylor because he was going to be a king at Baylor. And now he's sitting there like, I should have stayed in college. I should have stayed in college. Why did I take this job? I should have stayed in college. <laughs> he's got Macadoofus. Whispering in his ear every day, and like he's staring down Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. He would love to put Matt Corral in, but Corral is a year away at least. So you're basically looking at this like he's in this like nightmare scenario where he can't get out. He's running on a treadmill going backwards, and it, I, I kind of feel for Matt Rule because he's he's an idiot, but at the same time, it's like, dude, like this is torture. Yeah. You know, with it's just, uh, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I was looking up something else for another topic, and I just lost track of whatever the fuck we were talking about. You're good. We got about 15 minutes left. So, so like me, me doing that. Oh man, I was like in my head, I'm like, fuck. I just blanked on everything, and I couldn't come back with it. I had to admit defeat. We're talking about Baker. There we go. Yeah, Matt Rule and everybody. Um, you know, it's. I, Matt Rule is done after this year, in my opinion. They're not with either. Their best chance to win is with Baker. They're not winning the division. Their best chance of winning seven or eight games is with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. We've seen Sam Darnold with the Panthers. Matt Rule decided the answer was him. It wasn't. Matt Rule now decides the answer is Baker Mayfield. We will see how that plays out. Uh, but Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, gives them the best chance to do anything. I think uh, Jameis Winston actually just got hurt, so maybe that can kind of help him out in the standings. But I think unless I think unless Tom Brady were to just end his season tomorrow, Baker Mayfield and the Panthers are not doing much more than seven or eight wins. I think yeah. Matt Rule gets fired. I think they move on from the entire staff. I mean, they've got freaking Ben McAdoo working with the offense right now. And Ben McAdoo, I think, has openly been not a Baker fan. I think he was. I think it was mm-hmm, Baker yeah. Mayfield he wasn't a fan of. Um, so I think the Panthers are going to see an entirely different regime next year. I don't think they're going to have Mayfield or they might have Mayfield on the roster, but they're not going to have Sam Darnold. Well, so no, I, um, Mayfield's contract's up and so is Darnold. Yeah, so Darnold all they'll have left for on contract is Corral, which I think is their goal. Oh, uh, hot take. Darnold's going to be the fucking quarterback for the Texans next year. I thought he should have been last year. It would have helped them, but yeah, I mean. And that rule is obviously not the one to fix him. But, you know. Ready to talk it, about your Jets? Do you want to get, uh, out of, get off your I've chest been, now? Uh, yeah. We got about seven minutes, so get ready. All right. Eat, I, eat up your time, buddy. So, for all of you who, which I don't blame you, may not be aware of some of the Jets players because not everybody pays attention to them. Their first-round offensive tackle from the 2020 draft, Mekhi Becton, who I believe was the 
I could be wrong. I think he's the first offensive tackle or offensive lineman in general the Jets have taken the first round since I believe like Nick Mangold and DeBrickshaw Ferguson like back in like 2007, eight, something like that. So this guy comes in. Finally, we get a first, with an offensive lineman in the first round. He has a very good rookie year in 2020. Like he was solid. We were all excited for next year. 2021 comes first week of the season. He suffers what they believe is a dislocated knee. Um, they're thinking he's out 48 weeks. I honestly don't even know what actually really happened to his knee. I just know that they underestimated the injury and he wound up missing the entire season. He wasn't healthy to actually suit up until like maybe like not even a month ago. Fast forward to this year and Mekhi Beckton goes down once again. At first, they did some tests. They found out that his patella and his ace and his ACL was stable. They weren't, you know, worried about any sort of, you know, injury like that. Everything was stable. They thought it was just minor. Comes to find out, he has a avulsion fracture in his right knee, which was a surgically repaired knee. This is a completely different injury compared to what he suffered uh, the year before. But he pretty much has a small chip fracture on his kneecap. They have not listed him as out for the season, but he, they, everybody is, even the coach is saying, ultimately, we believe he is not going to play a snap in 2022. Now this raises a question, is his time done with the Jets? Um, Robert Sala has came out and said that his story is not done, his his ride is not done. Um, makes you kind of hold out hope that maybe he can come back with the team next year. But, you know, I just, I feel for the guy. I mean, last year he had weight issues, the whole franchise, like fan base was getting on him. This year he comes back, he's training hard. You've seen the picture. He was in great shape, and he just has a couple practices. He just goes down with another injury to that same knee. I feel for the guy, but you know what? I loved Robert Sala came out and said that, you know, humans, fans can try and dehumanize athletes, which this fan base has. Like, go on Jets Twitter and look up Mekhi Becton and just see all the shit people are saying about him. Like, it's – it's I – I feel for the guy, and I, I respect the fact that he was able to just take the high road in a lot of these situations because a lot of that, uh, a lot of fans try to test himself. But I don't like those fans. I don't think you should really wish anything bad or like you know or say I, I told you so about a player when they suffer something like this. But out for the year again. My issue is that you got Dwayne Brown who looked good in the scrimmage. They could sign him easily and replace him. Dwayne Brown is a solid replacement for. Uh, an offensive tackle that you've lost for the year. My issue is George Fant stepped into the picture last year and finished as a, he had a phenomenal year, a quietly phenomenal year. Um, he had, he played in 889 offensive snaps. He only committed four penalties and he only allowed one sack the entire last year. I think he had a 71 point something overall grade as alignment. He was solid for us at left tackle. My issue is why mess with that? They were going to put Makai at right tackle. You put, you bring in Dwayne Brown. Are you going to ask a 36-year-old to go learn right tackle? Or are you going to ask the guy to just go play left tackle, which is what he's been doing for the last like 12 years? So my thing is now, you if that happens, you might have to put George Fan back at right tackle, mess with that groove. Is he going to have as good a year as he did last year at a different position? So now I have no idea what this team is going to do. I just do not want Chuma Idoga or Connor McDermott at my fucking right tackle because they suck. At this point, I'd rather just tell Dwayne Brown to go play right tackle if they do sign him, which I think the inevitable is that they're going to probably give him a one-year deal. So that is, uh, that is my team situation. It's, you know, it's last year. I'm pretty sure we had, we had a solid offensive line last year. So even without Mekhi Becton, if we bring in Dwayne Brown or somebody, it's still going to be a better line. You have Lincoln Tomlinson. You've got, Vera Tucker at the right guard position. You had Fant back at left tackle. We had Sonoma last year. They're going to still be a better offensive line. It just sucks when you you had this monster of a rookie left tackle a couple of years ago, and you just it's another season goes by where you just can't see this guy come back. I didn't realize how spoiled I was to have a guy like Jordan Mailata, who basically just came out of fucking nowhere to replace Jason Peters, who's a Hall yeah. of Famer. Mm-hmm. And now you have Mailata, who's going to be a pro bowler. I also, you know, Lane Johnson, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. The Eagles have all these great linemen. It's, like, awesome. But I do hear that. It's not fun. I am praying for the your mental health um, for these Jets play, for this Jets O-line. 
I'm gonna have to you ready for hot take Tuesday. Oh, I'm ready. Uh, I will start off hot take Malik Willis will start for the Tennessee Titans by week nine. Oh, I could definitely see that. I think, I think Mike Vrabel knows he either Tannehill is a lights out passer this year or Malik is in. I think he realizes this may be a down year. Burks may struggle early. Bobby Trees might have a good season, but like that defense is still a year away. They're going to need more bodies. Henry might be still rusty in the early season. They're going to be down. And honestly, like <coughs> the prospect of starting Malik Willis, getting the excuse of getting another year with a young quarterback. Rabel's got a long leash. And he and I think ownership knows it's not Rabel's. The pro, Rabel's not the problem. It's all Ryan T. And Ryan T's contract becomes real easy to cut at the end of the year. All you need to do is make him eat those 21 mil for the first seven, eight games. I can totally see this happening. I think Malik Willis also. Malik Willis and Ryan Tannen and um, Matt Corral will have the two best careers out of all these quarterbacks drafted. Yeah, I was going to say my um, one of my – I had a couple before my actual one. One was obviously the Patriots, I think, are going to finish last in the division. Um, I think Matt Coral makes starts for the Panthers before the season's over. I think they just run out of Mayfield and Sam Darnold. They're just like, let's see what the rookie has. I could see that going as early as week 10, week 11. Um, my hot take is, which I agree with yours in the sense of Malik Wilson. I think he's going to be the feature <coughs> of that franchise. I had him as the number one quarterback on my on my personal board for the quarterbacks out of that draft. Um, Mike Vrabel, obviously, like you said, is not is not the problem with that team. He's consistently has had them over 500 each season in the last, like I don't know, it was like three or four years. They've won like at least nine games, and they've consistently had them in the playoffs and winning the division. Um, and they had him last year. He had them first seed in the AFC. They didn't even have Derrick Henry or um, AJ Brown for a little bit and Julio Jones. But so I agree with your hot take. My hot take, I think next year's Hall of Fame class, we can see three first round ballot Hall of Famers go. I think we can see Joe Thomas, offensive tackle of the Browns. I think no we question. can see I think we can see James Harrison, outside linebacker for the Steelers, Bengals, and Patriots. And we all know, we all know who the third one is. Arguably one of the best corners in NFL history. Darrell Revis of the Jets, Buccaneers, the team we don't speak of in the Patriots. Oh, fuck, I just spoke of them. God damn it, the Chiefs. This is the other one. Um, everybody forgets he was a Chief. Everybody forgets because if you think about it, outside of the Jets, he was with the Bucks for one year. They traded him. He was with the Patriots for one year. They won the Super Bowl. Got It was done after that year. Went back to the Jets. Went to the Chiefs for half a year. He spent his entire career, except for two and a half seasons, with the Jets. And I love the guy. Um, I've got his jersey still. I hung it up. I took it down when he went to the Pats, and then I put it back up when he came back. Are you going to buy a throwback now that, like, you got to buy a throwback now? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I have my Dawkins throwback that I love and wear all the time. All of my, all of my jerseys except for like three or four throwbacks. But I, oh yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for uh, to meet him and I can have him sign it. He's going to go into the uh, Ring of Honor this year, so I'm going to see if he's going to be signing autograph, autographs this year. But I think hot take there could be three first round ballot Hall of Famers I don't in think next that's year's much of a hot class. Take. The only stretch might be Harrison, <clears throat> but I could see that happening. Well, this lineup is solid. Outside, outside of those three, besides Thomas, Revis, and Harrison, you've got Dwight Franey, you've got Jari Evans, Elvis Doomerville, Chris Johnson, Matt Forte, uh, Carson Palmer, Shane Leckler, and you also have, which is going to be an interesting one, I don't think he's going to get in because of the years that he played, even though Megatron got in after like 10 years, but Cam Chancellor is eligible this year, or next year, which... 607 career tackles, 12 interceptions, 44 passes defended, and nine forced fumbles. I don't fumbles. think he touches it. No. I think he I just, it for I, too short. 
he didn't have any first all team pro nods. Um, and I, I just think the lack of longevity and the fact that he was only in the league for eight years, which in those eight years, he was the, one of the best strong safeties, but it's just the simple fact of eight years. I mean, you got guys like, I think like Gail Sayers was in the league for like eight years or so, something really short. Yeah. But that was, but Jim Brown played nine. Yeah. But you're also, this is, that was a whole different era. It was an entirely different era. Like, if guys like Joe Namath played in today's age, he would not be in the Hall of Fame. But it's just a different era of football. Yeah, I well, think. I mean, according to some fans, he will, because Joe Namath is basically just Eli Manning one, with one less ring. Yeah, and but, I mean, Eli Manning with one less ring, I don't even know if he – well, he's got better stats than Namath, like, passing-wise, I think. And Namath has a career – more losses and wins, and I think. He has oh, I just made that take to piss off Giants fans. I hope you realize oh. that. Okay. Well, yeah. No, fuck you, Giants. I'll end up with that. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for our first hot take Tuesday. We'll have a show, of course, Thursday. Get ready. This this will start a string of Tuesday and Thursday lineup shows, continuing all the way to February eighth. I believe this is the death of the Super Bowl. Then we go on a little break for three weeks as usual, and then March first we kick it off again as usual. This is Matt. This is the, this is the marathon, Matt. You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, so by the way, Matt, are you, you know, this Tuesday shows are actually the meat of the sandwich. The Thursday shows are just fun, but during the season, Tuesday shows are fucking crazy. Oh, I'm ready for that. And so think, uh... Thursday shows are just fun because we make a lot of picks and we drink a lot of beer. I gotta recheck the date, but there could be some. Uh, I could be fantasy draft thing during a Tuesday show in September, which will be fun. That'd be hysterical. Live drafting. <laughs> Matt is live. Like, I'm on the clock. Matt, who are you taking? I think it's like the drafts at like seven. I think it's like Tuesday the sixth, which will be fun. I'll, I'll put the. Uh, oh, that's uh, the day I get back from uh, vacation. That should be fun. Oh yeah, I, I'm live recording from vacation both days. Nice. I'll probably wind up drafting from my computer. And then, or vice versa. Either way, I will have that thing going live while we're drafting. It will be hot takes. I'm going to be like, all right, guys, you, you thinking AJ Brown? You thinking uh, fucking. Oh, you know my DJ? answer. No, my oh, favorite thing My favorite thing is like, everyone's like, Jared, why don't you just take a week off while you're on vacation? I'm like, dude, I actually enjoy doing my podcast. Like, that's the thing. Like, I think I'd be more relaxed talking. Oh, my God. I have vacation. a blast. I set up on my porch and it's like, and I get to just smoke a cigar, drink beer, and talk football. I and chill. Last year, me and Kevin, because he was out with me, we recorded the live show. He sat next to me. We're on one screen in our ridiculous hat, smoking cigars and talking football. Duh, Bears, like looking like that too. It was funny as fuck. Oh, yeah. So I, I am excited for this football season. It could be a lot of, um, I think it's 22 days, 21 days till college ball. No, it's Thursday. Thursday, August 20-something, Cosmo kicks off. We actually know. You know what? We're going to go to our friend through the Cruise Control Podcast. Shout out to our bookers. He always will tell us exactly how much we have left. Trying to look it up quick. August 27th. Season starts Saturday, August 27th. There you go. Even uh, week zero? Believe so. Okay, so there you go. Week zero is August 27th, which means I won't even be on. I don't go on vacation to the 29th. Yeah, so. yeah August, week zero kicks off the season on Saturday, August 27th. They got like Nebraska, Northwestern. Um, that game's like, in uh, Ireland. Oof, yeah, Wyoming, Illinois, Nevada. Yeah, UConn and Utah State, Vanderbilt and Hawaii. It's pretty much shitty. Oh, this is what we're on. Oh, that's Saturday. So, all right, so then September 3rd is when you got the good shit. Everything else is fucking Watching bullshit. college ball on vacation is just a blast. Last year, me and the boys got to watch Oregon upset Ohio State. After we, we were out, Matt, we were out clamming all day. We come back to watch Oregon kick the shit out of Ohio State, and it was like the greatest Saturday of all time. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, next Tuesday, of course, we have J.D. Davis and maybe another surprise guest talking college ball as Matt hammers away on his keyboard. 
And Thursday we have our live show as always. No idea who we're bringing on. Neither do you. That's why it's so much fun. We appreciate you stopping by listening this week. We appreciate our amazing sponsors, eatofficial.com. Promo code corn for 10% off. And Canadips promo code belly up 20 for 20% off. They just dropped a couple new flavors, including a new favorite of mine, the watermelon and the Arnold Palmer flavor, which is awesome. Those are both so good. Both so good. All right. We appreciate you stopping by. Enjoy your week. Peace. Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly of Podcast Network.